0: but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases
1: i would recommend frosted leaf to a friend and i would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help
0: check out frosted leaf's three denver locations and download their app today
2: hey everybody welcome to the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage before we jump into the show i want to tell you about this really awesome deal for bsn listeners If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. And welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host today, AJ Hafele, alongside Nathan Rudolph. I forgot to get icebreakers ready so we could have <laughs> random conversations at the beginning of the segment. So, instead, I will just go with a classic. Nathan, hello. How are you today, sir?
3: I'm doing well. How are you? Um it's been a it's
2: been a weird day so far.
3: That that's always interesting.
2: Yeah, the morning of uh, a game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals, a Cup Finals in which uh, you and I are going to talk about on tomorrow's show.
3: Yeah, it should be fun. As much as I dislike both teams in the final,
2: but yeah, as as much as I've been rooting for the Meteor to win, uh, finally this ends tonight, and um, we can get on with it.
3: Yep. Yeah, I um. How how have you felt about the playoffs as a whole here? Well, uh, they were messy. I, I actually quite liked most of the West, as even with all of the uh, refs. All the nonsense. The yeah, uh, I, I still quite enjoyed it. I was rooting for the Sharks, even though I know a lot of Avs Nation was rooting against them because they knocked us out. But they just didn't manage to quite seal the deal there as the, the Blues took it to them the east uh i was boring and rooting for tampa and they got knocked out early and i i just didn't follow the east as much
2: yeah the east was kind of it was it was almost a ton of fun
3: yeah if like carolina and columbus was the yeah. conference final that would have been sweet but right
2: like boston i mean and it, it, there was it was kind of a no-win situation with boston and toronto in that round one out there but <sighs> like you know seeing seeing all the big powers that we've seen dominate the east for the last few years you know the rangers not even in the playoffs and then washington and pittsburgh go out in the first round you're just kind of like alrighty. <laughs> It's, uh, I think it's, I, I've been, I've enjoyed a lot of it, um, but then I just did not something, something about after Colorado lost it, you know, maybe, maybe it was, it was, uh, just the job, um, man, I needed a, I needed a break. And uh, so I did not actually get too into the conference finals, but I've, uh, I've picked it up and watched the cup finals here and there. And I've been, I've actually enjoyed what I've seen just watching the uh, it's funny because they talk about the size and the size and the size. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm like, if you're actually watching how they're playing, like the size just really isn't, I don't, I don't think it's making a huge difference in the series. Personally.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's, Tarasenko and O'Reilly's ability to score goals is what's making it, the difference.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's like the skilled guys are doing skilled things, you right, know, and they're exactly. they're getting out and they're they're being the difference in games. And uh, I I just for me I'm I like that uh, the 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 good guys, you know, the the those Quality high end guys, players, yeah, yeah, are the ones that are really. Deciding uh, games. Yeah, um,
3: don't need to go back to the dark ages of goons on every line.
2: Yeah, it's it feels it feels very overblown. Um, you know that, and in, and in, in we've we've been previewing this draft class to you know th- through its teeth, and there's a bunch of sub six foot, you know, like goal scoring monsters, right? Yep. Uh, those guys are the future of the game, and. I think that's fair to say and I don't I don't think that I don't think that this is, like if teams can find high skill level and 6 foot 3 players they're always going to prefer that of course but but they're I don't think we're in a world anymore in NHL anymore where the you know size is the number one thing uh, yeah. that you talk about with a player I, it's it's certainly something you look at But
3: right, it's there's always the syndrome of of copycatism throughout the league, especially when a team wins a cup. Uh, So watching those skilled, skilled goal scoring players be the difference for either team, really. That's what you want to see the league copy. and, And that makes for fun hockey.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's really the hallmark of this playoffs, more than, like, upsets and any of the other stuff, right? Yeah. It's – this has been fun hockey to watch. It hasn't been as much like – and, of course, we're finishing up with, like, a slugfest. <laughs> but it hasn't been a lot of that. It hasn't been the the slogs.
3: Right. It, it's goal scoring is is how you win games. I mean, goaltending too, of course. It's, it always comes down to the goalie, but – you're not getting teams that get a two one lead and just completely grind it out, which I guess maybe that's a blessing in disguise that San Jose didn't make it, but.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would have been cool with San Jose winning it uh, regardless of how they got there and all the officiating and all the, whatever it it would have been fine with me. They have a lot of great players that I would not have minded seeing
3: raise a Stanley cup. I agree with you there. And um,
2: you know, there are guys on St. Louis that I like that if they win tonight, I'll be happy for those guys. And, uh, I think, and maybe this is just a, a function of the job, but, uh, over the years I've gotten to be a lot more, uh, I I'm happy rooting for guys when they have success instead of being angry about, you know, instead of being mad about who does win or whatever, I'm, I'm very much just like, ah, good for those guys. They'll never, they'll never forget it. They'll never, you know, it's their time. It's whatever it's, have at it
3: yeah for sure it's you can't it's unless you really dislike something about the player it, it's hard not to feel happy for them when they do the thing
2: yeah like there are going to be some guys on every team where I'm like eh don't love that but I focus on the guys that I do like who, who are going to have their name right. put on the cup and yeah you know whether it's Boston or St. Louis there's a handful on each team that I I enjoy watching play and they end up on the, uh, they end up on there. I'm, I'm totally okay with that.
3: For sure. I agree with you there.
2: I mean, how can he not love David Posternock? I, <laughs> I don't understand how every hockey fan should be required to own his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching him play though. Like he's, and, and he seems like such a, such a chill dude. And I, uh, I know a couple of people in Boston who speak very highly of him off the ice. So it's, it's easy. It's very easy for me to, oh, if Boston wins. Happy for that guy.
3: Yeah, for sure. He's uh so. on my list, but I think the Ranton and Jersey comes first there.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I could, we could, we could do like an entire show of like whose Jersey would you buy from all 31 teams? And I would, there would be multiple guys on each team where I'd yeah. say, oh, that'd be cool to own that. So just, just as a fan of the game, man, I'm, for sure. You know, Hoping for hoping for a memorable night here. Um, let's uh, let's actually get into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Since we're, we have not done that yet, but we're still sort of in like this weird middle ground this week where we're we're talking about we're catching up on the league as a whole, and then next week we'll get back to hammering away at draft stuff.
3: A whole bunch. Of uh, we're hurry gonna start up and wait right now. What's that? A whole bunch of hurry up and wait right now.
2: <laughs> no kidding. It's funny because it's it's. That's the mode that we're in. But like somebody tweeted at me today and was like, I can't believe the draft is actually next week. I had to double check that. And I'm like, I know, man, like I, it's, it's almost here. So yeah. I'm, I'm getting excited. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm less excited about my 6 a.m. Flight to Seattle and my subsequent <laughs> drive to Vancouver. But um, you know, I wanted to do it because I've, I haven't been up in that area and I've never done that drive. So I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to rent a car and drive up, drive up, see a little bit of that, a little bit of the area, drive through Everett and, um, you know, explore a little bit, but combining that with the 6am flight is like, ugh.
3: Yeah. Definitely early. It's supposed to be a beautiful city though. So
2: it's going to be the longest day ever. (laughs) Well, um, all right, well, let's get to this. We're gonna catch up on kind of rumor roundup day here across the NHL. Uh, number one, uh, I guess we should start here in our own house. Uh, ABS rumors, not really a lot going on right now. Uh, I've been I've been digging around and looking for some, and I don't see. Uh, there's not there's not a ton. You know, I put out on. I, I've put out there that uh, the ABS were a little uncomfortable with what Kevin Hayes was asking for before his trade to Philadelphia, because the jets had allowed teams to talk to the agent uh, and kind of get an idea of what they were looking for. And the Avs were not necessarily interested in something that went six or seven years. And that obviously Hayes is trying to see if he can get that, which of course he should. So he got moved to Philadelphia. Well, he's been in Philadelphia now for a couple weeks and no contract uh, has been signed. And as I put out on Twitter the other day, the negotiations have not gone the way that the Flyers were hoping. Uh, They're still working away at it, and there's still some positivity that they get the deal done before free agency opens, but it's a ticking clock. And if you're Kevin Hayes, even if, even if Philadelphia gets there the day before the tampering period, why bother? Why Why wouldn't you not at least listen to what all the other teams have to offer?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, it was a little surprising to me for sure. When Philly gave up a fifth, I figured oh, they'll, they'll get it done easily. It'll take them a couple of days, and then that didn't happen, and then now it's been more than a week. I think supposedly Hayes is in Philadelphia today meeting with them. So we'll see if something comes of that. But that might be the last go at it, honestly, for Philly. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, if he's physically there, uh, then they're trying to get something done. Uh, but if you're Hayes, that's a, that's a weird fit anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sean Couturier is there and on a great contract. You know, Nolan Patrick is there as their own kind of version of Tyson Jost of exactly who or what is this guy. Um, I think the big thing is, is that there is a lot of internal pressure there for them to start winning right now. And I I don't necessarily blame ownership for that, honestly. they Their roster has got a lot of talent on it. I don't think there's any reason that, you know, and, and them cycling through like nine goaltenders yeah, or something right. last year is just world-class
3: bad luck. That's a fluke thing for sure, and
2: and I certainly it's it's weird that it's always Philly with the goaltending position. Yeah. It doesn't seem to matter who they bring in; it never goes well, and I I don't know why that is, but it's it's certainly weird. But that team's got a lot of talent on it; they cannot be missing the postseason.
3: Yeah, they they really shouldn't be, especially as you said, with the emergence of Couturier. They they have a good amount of of depth there to to push the needle in the right direction. And it's just a weird situation with Hayes where are they just going to end up losing him for nothing? And that's what it seems like. If I'm Hayes, I'm like you said, why not at least test the waters? If Philly ends up being the best offer, great, but
2: right. Like is Philly's best offer, uh, assuming they don't get something like worked out today, but you know, the tampering period is going to open, uh, two weeks from now yep why if, if and and especially if it's such a grind to get there to get to the to what you right. want with Philly and are they gonna pull that offer uh you know and and say hey you're you're either gonna take this or you know take the chance that you don't get this on the open market. It's the open market, man,
3: like is Philly off, Philly's it. offer yeah. going to be so good? Right, I agree with you there. I, I definitely think he'll get what he wants from somebody. <laughs> it
2: does sound like uh, the all the speculation about uh, seven million is a little high on the high side there. Yeah. So, um, should he reach free agency? You certainly expect the Avalanche to make the call, but if Colorado's already drawn their line in the sand on the years, um, you know, I I don't I don't know what that one would look like if if the Avs have already kind of uh, in a way been like, ooh, that's a that's not really what we are after.
3: Yeah, I I struggle to see them changing their mind on that one, especially with the idea of him going to the open market, there's always someone willing to either give the money or the term. Somebody makes the the decision that might not be the smartest one.
2: Yeah, like, well, you get the there. Aside. And with the way the free agency works, man, it's such a it's such a madhouse because you have to make decisions really quickly, right? because the board can disappear, you know your your B your plan B, plan C, plan D options might be signing contracts while you're still trying to grind it out with the number one guy. And obviously he's your number one guy. You want to give him that opportunity. But you need to be aware, you know, okay, are we going to continue? Is, is Kevin Hayes going to make the Flyers so much better that, um, you know, if he does get into the open market that, oh, hey, we have to do this now? You know, it wasn't like, okay, giving up a fifth-round pick and then watching him leave. Two weeks later, three weeks later, that would suck, obviously. But it's not – I don't think it's a huge deal. Like, it's, it's not – obviously, it's not great asset management.
3: You'd rather lose the fifth than bury yourself with a terrible contract for forever, right?
2: <laughs> right, and feel like, well, we have to do this. We gave up a fifth-round pick. Now we absolutely have to sign him. Uh, and and now we've given him $7.5 million over seven years.
3: Yeah, that would be pretty yikes. <laughs> So yeah, it it's a tough situation for Philly and and that situation makes it a bit different for everyone else too because when he was in Winnipeg, they were open to having other teams negotiate and obviously Philly, at least not yet, they're not letting anyone talk to him or his agent. So it's a little bit more in the dark now.
2: It's it's a strange situation with him and all this, you know, over a guy with one fifty point season. Not to sound like Dater, uh, who would very, who's very much in the back of my head, being like, "Is all this really worth it?" <laughs> you know, and it, you know, maybe it's not. It's, I think it's a fair question. You know, it's this is a guy who has one fifty point seasons. You know, he's he's a good player, but this is this is him being a marquee guy. It really shows you you know, while this is a good forward class in free agency uh, at center is obviously Not a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well um talking about the cup finals and playoffs kind of uh, chewed up half our segment. So let's <laughs> just uh, let's just push everything we were else, everything else we we're going to talk about to next segment. So we don't have a, you know, a super sized show. So we'll we'll wrap up segment number one right there at the Kevin Hayes conversation. And uh, we'll, re- we'll be right back. This is the BSNL Edge podcast presented by Total Beverage. Uh, don't go anywhere, we got more
1: rumor madness.
0: If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try.
1: My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily. house-made smoked meats, cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue
2: welcome back in second segment here the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage we are essentially talking nonsense today getting into the rumors of the nhl and what might happen and what it all means and looking at uh looking at some non-avalanche stuff today and uh, Minnesota Wild GM Paul Fenton has found his way back into the news <laughs> as he hired his son uh, away from Edmonton, and yeah. uh, kind of a uh, kind of some not great quotes attached to it uh, <laughs> about uh, Peter Chiarelli being ultra ultra impressed with. Uh, the young Fenton's ability uh, as a, as a scout. What do you think about nepotism in the NHL as a whole? You think it's just one of those things that we have to live with because the old boys club or the old boys club?
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. It's probably something that's not going to go away, but I'm happy. It's not the abs doing something like this. We'll put it that way. But To be fair. I don't love pretty much anything Fenton has done in the past year. So (laughs) I, you
2: know, (laughs) I, the only deal that he made that made sense to me was Grandland for Fiala because he, and, and even that, like, I thought that was a stupid trade. I, but I got it. Like he got some time. Yeah. He basically, he gets four years younger and he's trying to essentially get the same guy. Um,
3: yeah. It's, it's tough to look at his trade history. Cause it seems like they want to rebuild, but they can't rebuild at the same time. And he's caught in between and he's making yeah. moves to get younger, but not, better really
2: yeah he's definitely getting worse uh yeah. and and i think he's trying to save a like rask for nina ryder you're getting worse and but you get a million dollars cheaper right you know that's a million dollars closer to doing something else you know that's a million dollars closer to financial flexibility that they're not well. currently that they they did not have before that deal it's, it's obvious, like, getting better is not the point there because yeah. they maxed that roster out. They gave it a run for a couple of years, and it just didn't work. So now he came in there and he said, all right, well, now this hasn't worked. I'm not going to sit here and lie about it.
3: What's next? Yeah, that's, that's fair, but the Parise and Suter contracts aren't just going to magically disappear either. <laughs>
2: sure, but you've got to work around those. Like that's, that's just what they do.
3: Right. You have to do something and, and he's trying to, but I'm glad I'm not a wild fan for the next couple of years. I'll put it that way.
2: Yeah. I think they're in for, they're in, they're in for some weird times because in order to tear that roster down, like the roster was really close to being excellent. Yep. Like that was a team that made a second round in the postseason. What? I, I think twice. Mm-hmm. and imagine getting there and then be, but being good enough to consistently get to the first round of the postseason. like, but you can't get over the hump cause you've got no room left. Like that's, you built a good, but not great team. And now you have to tear it down. There's yep. a lot of tearing it down that has to go into place. You know, they've, and you can't just let all those guys leave. That would be awful.
3: <laughs> yeah. It would get real. Like lucky.
2: <laughs> Jared Spurgeon's got a year left. Go get something while you can for him you know that's that's where they need to be they need to be moving forward and making a lot of futures deals rebuilding their pipeline loading up on picks do exactly what the rangers did yeah you know get you just agree that you're going to make the deep cuts you're going to keep a couple of these guys long term there's no reason that Matt Dumba Jonas Brodeen have to go anywhere they're 24 and 25 years old combined uh, not combined uh, to both, you know, uh, respectively, <laughs> they would be very young combined. Um, Ryan Suter's gonna be there for the rest of his career. Like that's a trio that you can build your next defense around. Sure, you know, and and flawed guys and imperfect, whatever. Sure, but you've got guys, and they're they're signed for a couple of years. And Jonas Brodeen's not gonna get a huge raise when he gets into free agency. Um, I I just think that. They're in a position where they they've got building blocks on defense in in Dumbo and Brodeen, and they can they can work their way up. Um, They trade away Spurgeon. You're not going to do anything with Suter, but all the other guys are worthless in terms of long term value. Um, You know, not to say like Greg Pattern is like he's like a fine NHL player. Uh, yeah. but that's not a guy that like you're going to get you're not going to go out
3: and get him right
2: yeah like that's maybe you move him at a deadline in in a in, with an expiring contract kind of guy not a guy you build around is what i'm saying so yeah. and that's that's what they need to be doing they need to be identifying who they want to build around and give the, their next run with you know Kevin Fiala at 22 years old that's an obvious piece sure. uh Joel Erickson Eck at uh 22 years old former first round pick has done basically nothing in the NHL, but uh, you know, no reason not to continue giving world Luke Cunning, Jordan Greenway. They've guys like that. Like it's time to turn the roster over to those guys and let them get going. But you know, they got Ryan Donato, uh, but they need to seriously clear out some of these, some of these guys uh, and why they're re-signing Eric Stahl. I don't understand.
3: Yeah, that one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Looking back at it, obviously they were still trying to make a run back when Vegas came in, but yeah. losing Tuck there hurts badly. <laughs> um, I, Beyond that, they better hope that Fenton's kid is as good as Chia says he is because they're going to need those picks to, to come up and make the difference.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. Like... <laughs> arguably their their best forwards right now uh, are Parise, Zucker, and, and Stahl, and they're doing everything they can to get rid of Jason Zucker. Yep. Which I I can't, for just as a side note, it should not be this difficult to get rid of that guy.
3: You would think.
2: Like 20-goal <laughs> guy, power forwards, good skater, uh, and is on a reasonable contract for the next four years. In a year in which UFAs are going to blow up some of the the, the contract contract structures that we've gotten accustomed to, yeah, uh, getting a guy with at five point five million for the next four years, uh, who's at twenty seven years old, I, I mean, if you could sign a UFA at twenty seven years old to a four year deal at five point five million, you'd do it.
3: Yep, no like doubt that'd be do, that'd be that. great,
2: especially with his tra- recent track record. I don't understand what the problem is. I don't understand why teams are not after him more um he's smaller than i thought given the way he plays
1: i I didn't know
2: i didn't know he was sub six foot just the 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 fact that he's always 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 in the middle of stuff but anyway um minnesota is certainly a team to watch this summer just because they've uh fenton is obviously trying to rebuild them in a in a different way and and move on and um he's lost several trades already to do it. I think he's probably got a couple more L's to take, uh, but as long as it gets him to where he wants to, then cool.
3: Yeah. It's the ugly truth of, of building a hockey team is is sometimes you got to go backwards before you can go forwards.
2: It's especially where they were, where they were in no man's land. Yeah. Um, right. You know, where they were, they were a maxed out cap, you know, cap, team uh, with no room for improvement. It
3: was impossible for them to go forward and trying to hang on to where they were. Wasn't going to do anybody.
2: Right. You're just going to waste two or three years spinning your wheels and pretending that you're relevant while you're putting up 90 point seasons. Yeah. And hoping that that's good enough that year to get you in. And it just, you know, I I think Fenton's doing the right thing. Um, I, it's a painful process. I really have no idea what it's going to look like when he does it. But, uh, the question will be how, you know, management there has been treated to a lot of sellouts over the last few years, just not at outdoor games, of course. Uh, but what, what does it look like when they, they've lost, they've missed the postseason three or four years in a row. You know, right. that's, that's going to be the real question. So I'm, uh,
3: be very interesting up there um, I mean, for sure yeah
2: i'm i'm watching them closely this summer because i think they've got all they've got a long way to drop yep and, uh, speaking of a long way to drop man Corey perry the bottom fell out yeah. really of that guy's career uh he has not been worth the money that he's uh been paid the last couple of years and it sounds like the anaheim ducks might uh be willing to just
3: cut bait and move on. Yeah. It's, it does seem like the buyout might be on the way. I I, I wonder if I just, yeah, I think teams look at that contract and go, Nope, we're good. Thank and you.
2: The thing with it though, is that there's only two years left.
3: There is it for a team with a lot of cap space, it, it could be a possible pickup, but even still, you're probably trying to sell that as look, we're taking your cap dump here. So what else are you going to give us? Anaheim? <laughs>
2: Yeah, like they should. They should rekindle the the fire with New Jersey and be like, "Hey, do you want to take this guy on for the next few years?" Oh, you're right. <laughs> Please. Yeah, just uh, you know, call it call it veteran leadership, and he's gonna help with. Uh, he's gonna help convince Hall to stay, and he's gonna. <laughs> He's going to lead the guys, you know, he's going to he's going to teach all the young guys about winning and stuff. Cuz that's kind of the magical elixir of the the guy that's 30 years old is that they they are the uh soothsayers of winning.
3: I, I guess the question with him would be how healthy is he really? Can you expect to get a full season out of him in the coming year or is he just going to be it, Even on if you do the season
2: You know, his 2015-16 is the last time he had a 20-goal season.
3: Well, I I wouldn't be asking that out of him. Like, this is why I don't want to take on his contract as is. In a scenario where he gets bought out and and maybe you can get him at an affordable price, probably doesn't fit on the Avs at all. But if you're not the Avs and you're looking at, look, maybe if this guy's healthy, we can get a 40-point player out of him or something.
2: Yeah. I mean, he did – his last two healthy seasons: fifty three points and forty nine points. So, you know, certainly not what you were expect what what you've come to expect from Corey Perry, given that he's Corey Perry. You know, yeah. and, and he's gonna probably be uh, one of the only guys to ever win an MVP that does not make the Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, it's he's always uh, had a little special something. To his game hasn't he and not in a good way as far as <laughs> people don't like him much unless you love him right so i don't think he's won over the hearts and minds of non-ducks fans very much
2: yeah um it's a that's a tough spot to be in just all everything about that man i really don't know
3: Yeah, it's and,
2: and buying, I mean, is buying it out really is it really right. worth it? it? You know, with two years left, you've already kind of bit the bullet. If they buy that contract out uh because of the signing bonuses that are involved, his cap hit for the next it would be now spread over four years. Yep. His cap hit this year is two point six, next year six point six, and then the last two years two million and two million. That's not an insignificant amount of money to just be sitting there.
3: you yeah, and so you're not even saving that much in 2020 2021. So what does an extra 6 million really do the ducks this year? It it's just not that much for them.
2: Yeah, they they don't save very much money uh in actual actual dollars either. Right. Uh, and of- and it hurts their yeah. cap. Like they they're going to save 4 million dollars in in actual uh salary.
3: Yeah, so you're really you're still paying him 75% of of what he'd get paid anyway. Yeah,
2: but and you're still taking cap hits. And right. next year your cap hit is 6. uh 6.625 it's 8.625 if you don't and it would be the last year of the deal. Like are they looking to compete right now? Like, are they are they trying uh, I don't think to? How
3: they like, can, but
2: what are they trying to do here? You know, because he and he and Getzlaff, Getzlaff has also two years left on his deal, and you know now he's been more productive, uh, but he's not getting
3: any younger either,
2: right? But and injuries have played a big role with him too. Yep. The last two years, Getzlaff's only played fifty six and sixty seven games.
3: Same thing with Kessler too.
2: So, well, and Kessler, I think, is done, done.
3: Yeah, it seems like his career is over.
2: Um, That that surgery and his body was just so beat up. And, I mean, that's a guy that has been just ineffective. I mean, he had eight points last year, 14 points the year before. I mean, that's just nothing.
3: But that – it's a tough situation, though, because that was their top line, basically, for years and and years and years. And now – uh, none of the three can stay healthy. One of them looks like they're completely done. One of them has not been able to produce at all. And then you have Getzlav, who's trying to carry the team by himself and get the the new younger blood in here and being more effective. So they're kind yeah. of right in between right now. And those two years left are, are a tough pill to swallow for them, maybe.
2: Well, and, and they just signed uh, Silverberg, to yep. who's said to be a UFA this year to a big extension. They've got Adam Henrique on the books for another five years. Yeah, that's, Those yes. guys are going to be going into their thirties as well. Uh, it's really just, I think they're trying to make the most of the, the prime years that they have left of camp Fowler, uh, Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson. Like that's a good trio. It's a really good trio of defenders that you can build around. Uh, but they've done such a horrible job of management and John Gibson, 25 years old, You have one of the top goaltenders signed on a great long-term contract. Uh, You know, it's – the temptation to win is there. I just – I think they just need to realize, you know, that their best bet is to suck it up for the next couple of years, let some of this money fall off their books, and reload around – draft picks that they're going to be making this year. This is going to be the first of what should be a couple years drafting in the top 10 for them, unless they absolutely insist on coming in fourth or fifth place in the Pacific every year.
3: Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you there. We've, we've seen many teams try and take the shortcuts with buyouts and things like that to accelerate the process. And it rarely works.
2: Yeah, it's, I I thought the Silverberg re-signing was odd when they did it because I thought they could have gotten a decent haul for him at the deadline and they could have really really started to commit to saying, hey, we're going to – it doesn't not rebuild, but we're going to reboot this thing because they don't need to rebuild. They've got good young players, kind of like I was talking with Minnesota. They've got some young talent that – especially on defense where they can build around those guys – you don't necessarily have to push the nuclear button. You know, it's not Armageddon out there, but you got to be realistic about what you have. And I just think their roster is going to get very Minnesotan very quickly if they're not careful, but they do such a great job job of drafting that, you know, you can't really count them out with, uh, Max Comtois and Sam Steele, um, Max Jones and Lundestrom, first round pick last year. All those yeah. guys getting ready to come in and crack the roster. Like that's okay. Like if that's what happens and that and it and it works that way, then great. I
3: I just wonder maybe that is what they're looking towards. They maybe they feel like they need room to get those players on the roster because I think they have twelve forwards signed already this year.
2: Yeah, they're totally full up, man.
3: So, you know, maybe that the buying out Corey Perry is a way to make room for that. I don't know if it's the most economical way to do that, but it'll give you a spot. Well, and you wonder, you know,
2: Patrick Eaves, 35 years old. What's Patrick Eaves doing for that roster right now? Right. Yeah. There's... You know, that's that's like a that's a that's a guy that had been has had a productive career. Uh, but since he came over uh has done nothing in the last two seasons, he's played like 10 games. Yeah,
3: he the Ducks have have had a bit of a bit of tough luck with that. But I guess you just shouldn't be handing out those contracts anyway, <laughs> is the argument to make there. Well, though they were their stars at the time. Sure. I, I understand why they did it, but it's time to pay the piper, I guess.
2: Yeah. And and I mean, at the time, you know, Perry signed that deal in 2013 you know, he was two years removed yeah. from that that MVP year that Top he had, of the world, and, man. and he was still regularly scoring thirty and forty goals a year. Easy to do, easy to see why it happened. But this is like, this is the fear when you, you sign don't play guys
3: twenty eight forever, yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. When you sign guys like that, even even your own star players. Uh, you know, we were talking about Miko. You know, signing Rancidin for a, you know, to to a contract where he gets to be 28 or 29 and then you sign him for another you know sign him for another seven or eight years and then
3: you're good like okay it's like career over yeah but the back of that second contract might get dicey
2: yeah when a when a big guy gets into his 30s and starts to physically break down it's not pretty sometimes
3: yeah yeah so it's it doesn't look like a great situation either way for anaheim i I think I lean towards you here on this one and I wouldn't buy out Perry if I were them but if they do then uh, it'll be interesting to see what he ends up getting on the open market.
2: Yeah, it would be that would be a really interesting uh, free agency cuz you're getting a name and not uh <laughs> the you, value
3: statistically certainly. Yeah,
2: you're not, you know, what like and that's a that's a dude who's made eighty million dollars in his career. He can go out there and take like a one year deal, you know? Right? Yeah, like, eh, whatever. Um, so that'll be interesting if he gets into that open market. A guy that is set to hit the open market this year that has not re-signed is Anders Lee with the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, update on him today was that he's that the two sides are still little ways away. That they are not the Isles are not in a do absolutely everything to make sure that he stays uh, kind of mindset. They're not gonna overpay to make sure that they keep one of their own, and uh, there's a possibility that for the second straight year, they're the captain of their team hits hits the open market.
3: Yeah, that's. I mean, if you if you're an Avs fan, I'd be cheering for it because lee would be a great target for them in free agency yeah but
2: high character good power forward but and Corey perry great example of being careful with yeah. the big bigger guys that break down
3: exactly and and I, this is kind of similar to the Hayes conversation if i'm lee okay the tampering period is two weeks away if they don't have it done this week all of a sudden it's it's a week and a half away and you're yeah. It's hard to not tell yourself why not at least test it.
2: See what other teams have to say and see what right. they, they have to offer. Um, the big difference there is that Lee has all the reason in the world to stay. Uh, he's a captain of the, the only team that he's ever been a part of, the one that, you know, drafted and developed him and
3: um Yeah, I, I wonder if it almost ends up being you know. a, a Stamco situation.
2: Uh, that would not surprise me at all. Where Lee the has Stanford that leverage, degree. then where whatever whatever differences say they're five hundred thousand dollars apart, right? Uh, come come the opening of free agency, and the Islanders are like, "Are we really gonna lose our this Captain guy, slash one of our best players?" Right yeah. <laughs> over over five hundred. Like we did everything we could to keep Tavares, and he just said, "No, that's one thing." But you're gonna really let this guy hit the open market you know, and and have an opportunity to sign elsewhere over 500 K. Like, you know, maybe then you, you offer him 350 K of that and say, Hey, we, we went more than halfway to meet you there, but we don't, we just can't get all the way there. And right. You know, and then, Hey, if he says, if he still says no and he goes, then all right.
3: Then you did what you could basically. Right. Yeah.
2: It's, it's an interesting situation um, where I think Lee will have the last minute leverage where it'll be like, we can't do this again. (laughs) So uh, definitely uh, just, you know, from an abs perspective, you're absolutely keeping an eye on that. Yeah, for Uh, sure. And even if the abs aren't interested and won't go after that guy, more competition is, is good because uh, that means the teams that you might've been competing more for somebody else, change their attention to that guy. So
3: yeah, exactly.
2: The more good players that are out there the better.
3: Right. You you're definitely not complaining even if you don't get Lee and he gets to free agency. It's it's a fun it's a better opportunity. Well, okay. I should take that back because if like another team in the central signs him that's not good, but <laughs> but it's less less of a it's a less number of teams targeting Panarin. And that's who I want to sign. But whoever the Avs want, it'll be less t- teams targeting that as well.
2: Uh, all right. I think that's uh, that's good for this segment. We, uh, we still have lots to get to around the league. It's funny how quickly that stuff stacks up. We've got uh, on the other side, we've got Phil Kessel and his apparent love of Pittsburgh. The, sure yeah an nmc that actually is being invoked uh we've got the vancouver canucks exactly what in the world are they up to and shane Bear. is he long for philadelphia those are all things that we're going to touch on in the next segment but before we do i'm going to tell you guys no clever transition today about some game changing coffee StravaCraft Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. That's it. Segment number two here. The BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back. We'll back in third and final segment here. Today's BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Going to start uh, third and final segment here with uh, Phil Kessel. Not leaving Pittsburgh. Uh, has reportedly was agreed to uh, a deal between Minnesota and Pittsburgh earlier this off season. And he... Uh, invoked the power of the no movement clause and said, no, nah, I'm not going to go join that retirement home. <laughs> I'd like to make the last half of my career mean something. And as decided, he wants to just stay in Pittsburgh. Fair enough. Right? Yeah.
3: I mean, I wouldn't want to leave Pittsburgh either.
2: I mean, with Malkin and Crosby still there, you know that they're going to continue to go for it. Yeah. So why not? Why, why would you want to put yourself in, take yourself from a stable situation in which you know that they're going to try and be competitive. You don't care about the long term, you care about the next 3 years. Right.
3: It's get as much as you can while you can time for Phil. Yep. And that it's it's a tough situation cuz Phil did seem like an easy way for Pittsburgh to free themselves from this cap hell that they seem to be putting themselves in. I think they have like almost 80 million against the cap right now, and they still have forwards they need to sign. So they're going to have to do something probably, but I guess it's not going to be Phil.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure what they're going to do. And we've talked about this, that every year that that goes by their cap trouble just sort of gets a little bit better on its its own. Um, just because those contracts get to be a little bit more valuable, but then they go out and they do stuff like sign Pat, Patrick Hornquist to a a long extension at the age of thirty years old for five point three million dollars per year, and yeah, you know it, they
3: they traded for Good Branson at the at the deadline last year, and that's a guy who was on the first year of a three year deal at four million. <laughs> And
2: that was, I mean, that was a a mess the moment that it happened. Yeah, it was bad without that
3: factor of it.
2: (laughs) They signed Jack Johnson to a five-year contract.
3: Right, at over $3 million. And now they're
2: stuck with that too. Like, they're, you know, oh, we're going to, what are we going to do? We've got a you know, Justin Schultz only has a year left. And... Justin Schultz has been hurt the last couple of years, but this is a guy last time he was fully healthy. He was a 50 point player. Yeah. It, like, you know, what are they, what are they going to do here? This is a really interesting situation. They put themselves in, they traded one of their better young forward prospects and Daniel Sprung, uh to Anaheim for Marcus Patterson. And, you know he's only just been okay, yep. but they they're kind of like when we talked about Edmonton's defense yesterday. They've just sunk so much money into nothing.
3: Yeah, they they really do have way too much money spent
2: on that blue line. With like, I like Brian Dumoulin. I think he's a fine player, and his contract is perfectly fine. I don't have any strong objections to the Olimata contract outside of the fact that Olimata is a is a flawed player that can't stay healthy.
3: Yeah. The contracts individually are fine, but when you look at it and you realize you're paying your bottom pairing more than $7 million, that's not so fine.
2: (laughs) Then you, I mean, Branson and Johnson are costing you $7 million. And there's a very legitimate question about what you're getting out of those guys. Uh, And then, you know, you're so top heavy at forward. Yep. uh between malk and Crosby Kessel and Gensel uh, you know after that it's it's what do you have there you know Hornquist had a nice year uh, but nothing that's gonna be no, nothing that's gonna justify the money that he got and you know Nick Bukestad is and, not the answer
3: right and Crosby greatest player during his time, maybe still the greatest player in the league. I would lean towards McDavid there, but Crosby's 31, Malkin's 32, Kessel's 31. That top end, they're still going to be extremely, extremely good, but it's that time where you start to see those guys start to decline. And this is this, you know, to
2: to use this as sort of a, what the ads are going to look like in a few years. This is what they're going to look like. Yeah. They're going to have a couple of really expensive guys at the top that are pulling into the playoffs every year. And you're hoping that they're going to be, they're going to have one of those years where they just go off, where they're just a little bit better than the extraordinary level that they've already set for themselves. And they carry you to a championship. But This is a great example. This Pittsburgh Penguins roster is a great example of why you need to be able to draft and develop your own guys.
3: Yeah, exactly. They
2: are paying, you know, Nick Bukestad, $4 million. Brian Rust is a perfectly fine depth guy. You know, a 30-point guy, like a a solid NHL player. They're paying $3.5 million for that guy. You need to be developing that guy and recycling him, turning him in and out, you know, cause he was a guy, I mean, that was Brian rust was a third round pick of theirs that they drafted. They developed him. They did a great job. But then as soon as he got started to get a little expensive, they paid him yeah. and you need to be able to move on from 35 point guys and, and recycle those cats. Right. Um, you know, you can't, you can't continue to just constantly pay everybody. And when you're paying, Market value for bottom six players, you're in trouble. You're always going to be in trouble. You can maybe do it with a guy here or a guy there, but you can't consistently do it. And, you know, they've been able – they've been one of the top destinations for uh, college free agents every single year. You know, Zach Aston Reese was one of the top guys a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and just hasn't given them apparently (laughs) – what they wanted. I, I don't, I, in the short time I've seen him in the, in the NHL, I think he's been totally fine. I haven't had any complaints about him and his production for a bottom six guy is totally okay with me. I have no issues with what he's produced. Um, So I'm not sure where the disconnect is there, but that's a guy that should be cheap. Like he should be not costing you much money at all. And instead they're, they're throwing gobs of money at guys every single year. In their bottom six, because they're like, "Oh, well, we've gotta we've gotta value the thirty points that we have out of these guys," and then they overvalue them and they get comfortable. Oh, this guy's a system guy; he's one of our own, and you know, you've got to be comfortable moving on. And Jim, I think Jim Rutherford has done exactly what he did in Carolina at the end there, uh, in that he's created cap hell. Yeah, he doesn't seem comfortable navigating the salary cap era. Uh, he came in and inherited a great situation in Pittsburgh he made a couple of nice moves that got them a couple of Stanley cups and that's gonna be his legacy and you can't take that away from him but over the long term his results in the salary cap era have shown that it's it he does not handle it well
3: yeah he did the same thing on the back end with a guy like Mata and you can say okay great he paid Mata and they went on to win two cups perfect but when it came time, to, we need the next defenseman on an LC to step up and play in our bottom six. They didn't have it. And then you get a Jack Johnson.
2: Yeah. And they went all in on Mata right away.
3: Yeah. They didn't no bridge anything. They just like, said, here's your money.
2: And Mata, you know, Mata also had like the crazy injury luck where he was, you know, he, uh, what was, he had some totally bizarre injury early yeah. in his career. I can't remember what it was anymore, but uh, they paid him immediately off his ELC. He had a great rookie year where it was like, oh, sh- sh- this, this kid is really good. And then major injury issues, and they paid him regardless. They paid him right away, jumped him up to $4 million, and gave him six years right off the bat. And all that's happened is the injuries have continued to take away pieces of his game. Yeah. And... I, I mean, it's hard to watch and it's some of that's bad luck because like, ah, you don't know that that's going to happen. But they were also, you know, two two injury filled seasons uh, and one great rookie year. Right. And they gave him they gave him a six year deal off of that.
3: Yeah. It's not like he was healthy for the ELC and then it hit him. So, right. They, they had to know what they were getting into a little bit, at least.
2: Then their fear was that he was going to be more expensive down the road. And so they took, they took the chance. This is a really good example of a team that took that chance on the, on the long-term contract on a young player. And it's hurt them. Yep. Cause a lot of times we focus on, Oh, well look at, you know, look at what Nashville did. Oh, they did a great job. You know, Ryan Ellis, they got on that five-year deal for like two and a half million dollars. And, you know, they were able to, they were able to take those savings and put them elsewhere on the roster. And, we when you talk about the abs signing young guys on these long term deals and taking that chance we talked about it with JT comp a uh, couple times this week you know it's
3: there is that, that chance of backfiring there yeah. is there okay. are
2: examples out there of it not working yep. it's not just like you look at the examples where it goes well and be like ah oh.
3: yeah it's that's the risk you take when you're doing things like that and especially when when you're getting up into the conversation of guys that you're paying four plus million that don't look to be top six or or top four type defensemen for you. you. You have to think real hard before you pay them that money because you may well end up having to pay them more in the future, but you're definitely giving yourself a bit of security with things like injuries to not pay right now for that long.
2: Yeah, I, uh, oh man, it's, they're, they're in such a strange spot Uh, and Phil Kessel wants to be part of it. Apparently he's not going anywhere and uh, the no movement clause that he has, you know, we don't see it enacted as often as I would, uh, I would expect given the power that it provides players. A lot of them are just like, oh, you guys don't want me here? Well, then I don't want to be here and get me out of here. And I totally understand that mindset, too. Uh, Kessel here, this makes a lot of sense. This is not like when FNUF uh, stayed in Toronto, right? Or uh, refused to waive when he was in Ottawa
3: for the expansion
2: years. draft, and he ended up getting traded a year later anyway. Yeah. And it caused and – and that's you want to talk about the downfall of like Ottawa's everything Ottawa. that It started with that decision from FNUF. Yeah. <laughs> Kinda. That was the first domino to fall because then that cost them Mark mathot in the, uh, in the expansion draft. And that was Carlson's like best friend and his D partner. And it, it just all fell apart after that, man. It's, it's actually kind of a crazy uh, situation. If you break it all down, move by move and, and how they went from overtime game seven of the Easter conference finals to where they are now. It just, it, it, as quickly as it happened, it's, it's crazy stuff. Um, around, uh, elsewhere in the league, Vancouver, what you doing?
3: Well, <laughs> cool. I never seem to know what Vancouver's up to. They could do anything at any time. I, uh, they, they, that's a, that's a team that
2: thinks that they need to be in the postseason. Their management is tired of the rebuild. Uh, I think that they're ready to go. They spent a bunch of money last off season on uh, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Tim Schaller and said, okay, Hey, we short up our bottom six. Now we've got to go get better at the top. And they've got some talent there and they're not totally lacking. Um, sure. You know, Tanner Pearson's a fine player. Bo Horvat's is fine player. Um, Obviously, uh, Elias Petterson and uh, Brock Besser are kind of your stars.
3: Clear. yeah, Besser you know, for sure for them.
2: Those are those are the two guys that are really going to be bringing them into the next era. Yep. Um, you know they they've Goldobin is a UFA this year with former first rounder. It's pretty obvious that he's. Um, I don't think there's another major leap there. There might be a minor leap where he goes from a 20 point guy into maybe a 35 point guy, but regardless, you're not talking about
3: top six player. Right. It's unfortunately they have that big swing and miss with Erickson just kind of sitting around.
2: Yeah, I don't, you know, and then Louis Erickson quoted in a Swedish newspaper saying that he doesn't like uh, nor trust Head coach Travis Green. Um, that's a problem. I, yeah. You've got to move on from that, and you know we talked a little bit on yesterday's show about uh, them trying to get bigger and maybe taking on the each contract. Well, Lucic for Erickson, straight up, you just trade problems.
3: Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean,
2: and you hope each guy fits in better in his new I mean, new surroundings because that's
3: all that that is. Given. Erickson's quote, I think Vancouver would be just fine doing that. I I wonder whether Edmonton would would be that interested, but we'll have to see there. I I guess I Edmonton clearly wants to get rid of Lucic, but if I'm Edmonton and, and they're offering Erickson, I don't know that that's something I wanna try and solve.
2: I'd take the I'd take the chance that Erickson next to McDavid could get him back to what Maybe. he was because, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, early in his career was a 70 point guy. Yeah. And I- obviously it's been many years since that happened. Uh, and his UFA, his UFA walk year, he was a 30 and 30 guy for Boston. Yep. But this is a guy that should be easily scoring 20 goals a year. Like regardless of anything else going on, that's a guy, and I think putting him next to McDavid, you're gonna get value out of that. Are you know? Are you getting a six million dollar player? Probably not, but you're getting something out of it. And with Milan Lucic, we're we've
3: seen it. Not getting anything. <laughs> you're not getting anything out of that. I guess it's a year less of a deal for Edmonton side too, so it, it gets them out of it a little bit quicker than it would with Lucic, if if that's what it comes down to.
2: Yeah. I uh, I, I don't know. For me, I just think just trade your problems and hope that it gets better. You're all you. It's already a sunken cost. Like,
3: yeah. Why why not try to do something and get something out of it? I mean, sure. If that's the only option they have on the table, then go for it. I wonder if they can't try and move it without causing themselves another problem. Is all by throwing a pick at somebody or something. But yeah but doing Erickson for Lucic is better than doing nothing I think probably for both sides so
2: yeah the other another issue going on in uh, Vancouver Alex Edler is a free agent and Alex Edler apparently would like protection from the expansion draft and Vancouver's not not willing to do that if Alex Edler hits the market is it a, is there a temptation I know Colorado's defense is obviously full but I mean Edler 34 points the last two seasons. Is it? Is it uh, at least a temptation?
3: No, we've been down the 33-year-old defenseman path before. I'm going to take a pass even, on that
2: one. <laughs> even one who's still been productive on bad teams the last two years.
3: Uh, France, not Osheman was still productive when we got him, too, and that didn't work out great. He was like 36. Yeah, so. he was a little bit older. That's fair, but. But eh, I really struggle to see what's he where's he going to slot in? He's not going to be a 30 point player on our bottom pairing.
2: Right. I mean, realistically that's where you're like,
3: well, if he could just take Ian Cole's job, but, but we already have an Ian Cole. So yeah.
2: And I mean, Cole provided his own value last year too. And I, I wouldn't be so quick to get rid of him, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean that's obviously if they if they were to do a, a Barry for a forward deal, then you could talk yourself right. into there being an opening.
3: That's a little bit of a different story, sure. But
2: even then, you know, you expect your right side to be locked down by Johnson and McCarr, and then your left side is still going to be Dorov and Cole. Yeah, where Alex Edler would fit in, I I don't think it ultimately would work out. Uh, in Colorado, but I think that if Vancouver does not give him um, the the Seattle expansion draft NMC protection that he wants and he hits the open market, I think that's a guy that on a one or two year deal could be a very interesting piece on somebody else's blue line.
3: Sure. Yeah, the one or two year deal would be more interesting even on the Avs. Um.
2: Oh, that's the only conversation yeah, right. I think that, that that's taking place. There's a 0% I'm,
3: chance that the ABS would protect him. I think.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not looking at, you know, that's, that's a guy where I wonder, you know, would Tampa Bay try to get involved and in try and get that guy for cheap?
3: Yeah.
2: You know, that's the exact opposite of the situation Edler wants, where his family is in Vancouver and <laughs> going to Tampa Bay is the opposite of that. But, you know, depending on what he wants for his career, I I would wonder. You know, I I think the market for a guy like that would be more robust uh than we might initially expect.
3: Yeah, we'll we'll see, you know. It when a team like Tampa comes calling and you think you might have a shot to take a one-year deal and get yourself a cup, sometimes it's hard to say no. Speaking of
2: hard to say no, uh Jake Gardner. Yeah. There were conversations about Minnesota and Chicago. Uh Rousseau, I think put a end to the Minnesota conversation, which Nobody never would've. wants to go to Minnesota. Well, it wouldn't have made sense. Like right. you're you're trying to get younger, you're trying to get cheaper, you're trying to rebuild, and then you're gonna go out and sign Jake Gardner, which is a super win now thing to do. Yeah. Like I, that, that wouldn't have made any sense, but Chicago, that makes all the sense to me in a way that's a team that has done a, gone out of their way to draft defensemen. Yeah. And Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith are still there and they're both signed until the end of time. Yeah. Uh, but Eric Gustafson had a huge breakthrough last year. I mean, a huge breakthrough. He went from a guy that played sixty, played thirty-five games for Chicago and had sixteen points, to a sixty-point player on the back end. He scored seventeen goals last year, like a sixty-point player just out of nowhere for the Blackhawks on that defense. That is a monstrous leap. <laughs> And he is a year away at 27 years old for Gustafson. He's a year away from a uh, free agency.
3: Yeah. If he puts together another decent season, he's about to get paid.
2: Yeah. I mean, can Chicago afford to take the chance of him getting out there?
3: Uh, that's the question. I, I wonder if they can work out a decent deal. Like, Cause if you're Gustafson, you're saying, let me do this again. And then I'm going to be making a ton of money, but, if Chicago can get him to sign something now, maybe they save themselves the trouble.
2: Yeah. I, that's a, that's a tough valuation of a contract. It is. Um, Cause he is 27. So like, this is not like a 22 year old where you're going to get a whole heart of his prime. You're in his prime right now. You're getting it right now. Yep. And you know, adding Jake Gardner to that defense, that's certainly more mobility. They still have Connor Murphy there. Who's terrible. Um, and, and, you know, Slater Cuckoo hasn't worked out all these other guys on this, on the bottom, uh, Gustav Forsling and Carl Dahlstrom is these guys have all just been rotating in for a handful of games every year. Uh, and it's just, it's not working for them.
3: It's yeah. I mean, yes and no, right. They, they have these guys that are rotating in every year, but can those guys work as a stopgap for them to get to the point where it's time to bring up Nicholas Bodan or, or Henry Yogi Haru who played for them a little bit this year, even Uh, can they get those prospects up and into the lineup in the short term?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, Yogi Haru played 38 games last year. Yeah. So that's a guy that you're looking at and saying, all right, well we want to give him full, You know, we want to give him a a full season. We want him to take the leap. You also have Adam Bulkfest, uh, who's going to make the pro leap this year after a point-per-game year for London last season Uh, in in his one year that he's played over in North America. Top 10 pick last year. Like, this – it seems like Jay Gardner would just be getting in the way by the – you know, right now, today, I think Jake Gardner makes a lot of sense for them. Right. Um, but they also have some contracts that they're going to have to sign coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Um, Alex about- DeBrincat has one year left on his ELC. Dylan Strom, you know, I know some people are still ultra haters, but Dylan Strom, 51 points in 58 games for Chicago last year.
3: Yeah. There's If, a-
2: if that's going to be who he is, if he ends up a 60, 70 point guy for them, that's another big contract that they're going to have to hand out. Uh, I don't know that they can – I don't know that it makes long-term sense for them to, to dip the toe into, the, into those waters of uh, getting involved with uh, Jake Gardner.
3: Yeah, I struggle to see it as well unless they're going to just do something crazy like a, a super all-in push or something. Which wouldn't make a ton of sense for them right now, if you ask me. But uh, spoilers, you'll be hearing Jake Gardner's name on, on the Friday show, too. So, Yeah,
2: um, Jake Gardner would be a guy, you know, again, if you, do, if you did
3: a Tyson Berry thing. Yep, he's someone that could replace something like that for you not fully and but.
2: a and a guy that you could protect and not have to say you need to be our number one guy.
3: Right. Exactly. He's yeah, because like can... he,
2: we saw in Toronto last year, like he's a, he's a quality player, but his flaws, one, his flaws drive you crazy. Cause yeah. he'll make like the big mistake. Yep. Uh, you know, like he did against the abs in Toronto last year when Soderbergh had the hat trick and he just got run over.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's, he's definitely prone to the big oops, but, he also is only a couple of years removed from a 50 point season. So, you know, he can more than make up from them on the offensive end when you, when you give him the opportunity and when you don't force him to take the, the big minutes.
2: Yeah. He, uh, Gardner's a good player and he's always gotten that hate because of what he doesn't do well. And, It's really just, I think more than anything, you see this with defensemen than forwards of guys that uh, they have holes in their game and people will just drill that into your head. Like that's all he does, right? That's, that's who he is. There's no upside to this guy. He does these things for you. He makes these mistakes for you. Like, like as much as I think Vince Dunn is awful, um, the, you know, (laughs) the defenseman for St. Louis, uh, the dude's got legit offensive ability. And I have to give him that credit. I He drives me crazy when I watch him play. I think he's awful. And yet that's a guy that, you know, he's won. He's in a Stanley Cup final, but that's a guy that went out and scored 12 goals this year.
3: Right. It's especially for... For guys that you don't watch every night, guys like a Dunn on a Blues who we see what seven times a year, yeah. When you see him in four of those games get roasted by McKinnon, you're saying, "Okay, yeah. what?" Well-,
2: <laughs> well, and there's context there. Like if you get it was one thing to get beat by me, it was another when Spin ghetto turned him yeah, inside sure. out, and I was like,
3: "Oh, buddy." And so, but you see that, and you say, "Okay, so." Clearly, the defense is not a thing. But yeah. You don't get yeah. to see him 82 games a year where he's putting the puck in the back of the net for that team.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, a great part of the conversation surrounding Gustafson with Chicago. Yeah. Is that it's a 60 point season is amazing. Like, ain't nobody taking that away. But when you're looking at that defense long term, you know, Seabrook and Keith are still there. They're both signed for at least four more years. So until they go away, until they retire, uh you know like you have to plan for them to continue to be there and Gustavson, you know Connor Murphy signed for three more seasons so you have to plan for that guy to be there and then Gustavson obviously showed up and said all right you gotta plan you for gotta keep here
0: too
3: yeah uh
2: and nobody else is really nobody else on that defense you know that's Nobody else. That's four of your six guys that you're gonna play, but you've also been drafting that position like crazy. Yeah. And Yoki Haru, you want to put in there as soon as possible. Uh Bulkvist, you want to start giving opportunities to pretty quickly. Uh Nick Bowden is gonna be coming in there this year. Ian Mitchell's still a year away. Uh even guy like Dennis Gilbert. Yeah, you know, it, Chad Chris, like some of these other guys, it's they've devoted a ton of their draft capital to this position. Uh, they could do it again with Bowen Byram. I don't believe that they will. I think they're going to take a forward. Um, but looking at all these pieces, uh, Byram makes more sense than Jake Gardner.
3: Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I think they can make their situation work, right? If you have to play Connor Murphy on your bottom pairing, not great paying a guy almost $4 million to do that, but you make up that cost in having an ELC player up in your lineup.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, perfect. That's that's how you balance out the salary cap. Right. Um, last thing that we're gonna touch on here, Shane Yeah. Seems to be on the outs in Philadelphia. Does that make any sense to you? it why really, they're in such a really hurry to doesn't. get rid of him?
3: I don't understand that at all. Like they have such a solid young decor that he's a key piece of and I, I think I said it on our mock draft show. I looked at that and said, great, their defense is set forever. Don't even worry about it. But uh, apparently that's not the case.
2: Yeah. You know, he, it seems, it seems to be this on and off again affair between the Flyers and management or in the uh, Flyers management and Goss's Yeah. He had that great rookie season where he was the darling. Right. And okay. then the next year, there was a little bit of a fall-off and uh, wasn't quite as as good offensively, didn't score as many goals. Uh, but there were a bunch of other problems. And then it was like, oh, are they going to trade him? And then, no, they're going to give him a long-term contract. And then he goes out and he has a great year, drops yep. a 65-point season. And then halves that this last season, this last year, he has a 37-point year. And... Now he's on the trading block. Is this, I mean, is this just indicative of the constant unrest in Philadelphia and how they just, they can't ever seem to decide which mode they're in? And hey, JVR, they signed in free agency. He's 30 years old. He's on an expensive deal. Sean Couturier, 26, right in the heart of his prime on an amazing contract. Borachek and Giroux, uh both both right, you know, Giroux 31, Borachek 29 signed on very expensive long-term contracts. They've got the they've got the guys to go for it right now. Yeah. Absolutely. But is it also just this is a team that their identity just seems to be constant chaos?
3: It sure seems like it, doesn't it? And I'm it, just looking at Ghost's career alone, you know, he has an up year and then he has a down year. The just inconsistency of this team can't seem to put it all together to find themselves as a legit contender more than one off year every other year and that's a tough situation to be in i don't think getting rid of getting rid of goss's bear will solve that problem for them but i mean who knows maybe they can get a big haul of steady guys coming back the other way
2: it's it's hard to believe that you're gonna train trade Shane Goss to spare and for a team that is very much trying to win right now, uh, and get better.
3: Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't see how trading the only defenseman you have on contract beyond this year. <laughs> how is that making you a, a team that's going to be better into the future? I don't. I don't get it.
2: I do expect that to change with the Provorov deal.
3: Yeah, I, I'm i sure the I had guys same time, would, like Both of those paid. guys had good years. They'll get paid, and and Provorov is still a great piece for them. Like I said, they have a, a great young defensive core, but you just unplug a piece out of that, and all of a sudden that defensive core doesn't look quite as good, does it?
2: Right. Well, they all prop each other up. You, yeah. know, to, you know, that's like taking Tyson Berry out of Colorado's defense, and you're like, ah. Like, sure, theoretically, you know, with Makar and Gerard, uh, you could feel like you could maybe replace the production in the aggregate. But, like, you toss Barry into that. And it's even better. Right? And you're like, wow, that defense is really good. Uh, and, yeah, so it's it's interesting kind of the house of cards that every team has to balance here. Uh, I'm not sure Goss to spare 4.5 million for the next four years. That's a great contract yeah. for a guy even in the in heart his of his down time. years.
3: That's a perfect contract in his yeah. up years. It's a ridiculous steal.
2: Yeah. For a 60 point guy, even for a yeah. 35 point guy, <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Either way. Um, whoever lands Goss to spare is going to, going to get a hell of a player. And from what I've been told, it sounds like he's already been told to expect him to have a new place to play in the next two weeks.
3: Well, maybe he'll be happy to have uh, an actual guy in the goal for him behind. him.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's funny. I, I love looking at Philadelphia's cap friendly page because they've got like five goalies listed there. <laughs> uh, Cause they've got
3: all of uh, Talbot, Neuwirth and Elliot listed as UFAs. <laughs> And that doesn't even include the guys who were just passing through like Pickard.
2: Right. Yeah. Did None of those guys get included in any of that. I just, yeah. it kills me with, uh, <laughs> with that. I also, Philadelphia is also a team, uh, the 11th pick, keep an eye on them. Um, That could be, that could be something that's in play as well uh, with them looking to get better uh, in a hurry and make a more serious push they trade Goss despair for, for NHL pieces or whatever. And you could trade the NA you could trade the 11th pick for a guy as well. Uh, I'm not sure where that value lands, but certainly an interesting conversation and something that we'll be keeping an eye on, on draft night, because that's a spot where if you're looking to trade up from 16 for a falling forward, for example, that would be a spot that makes a lot of sense to jump up in front of Minnesota. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Uh Let's go ahead and wrap this one up for today. We uh, This went way longer than I actually thought it would, given that we were just <laughs> going to talk about stuff. Um, Nathan, any final thoughts today on uh, rumors around the league? Any any interesting situations that we did not touch on today that you want to throw out there real quick?
3: Uh, the Matt Duchesne situation, we won't get too too far into it, but it sounds like things are starting to heat up with him, and there are a lot of teams in the West that want his services that's uh pretty much the only thing we missed uh, beyond that. it It's kind of nice that the abs are sitting in a spot where they're not too involved in any of these rumors. You can kind of sit back and relax a little bit. Yeah. I'm
2: I'm man. I'm real curious how that market plays out. Yeah. You know, is he going to, is Dallas is Nashville going to move heaven and earth to find the space for him? Is, is Dallas going to make a run at him so that they can do something else? Uh, You know, so they can get some secondary uh, forward help up there. Uh, What's, you know, what's Columbus going to do?
3: We heard supposedly Arizona is interested in him as well, which is weird.
2: Arizona being interested in centers to me is hysterical because they overdrafted a kid fifth overall last year simply because he was a center. Yep. And like, he's a nice prospect. And I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think that I, I'm not meaning to say anything negative about him. I certainly don't think he's a number one center prospect, but I think he's going to, he's got potential to be a really good NHL player, uh, but given what they've already invested at that position and that they, you know, they passed up some real good defensive prospects last year to draft a center for them to go out and sign Matt Duchesne would make me laugh. Yeah, and and the, hey, maybe they would be laughing all the way to the playoffs next year. So worth it. But
3: <laughs> well, and and they move out players like Dylan Strom, too, who I know was struggling severely there. But to see him go off in Chicago afterward and now they're like, OK, we have to go out and get more centers.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I have disagreed with John Chaka's approach for years and all
3: right. I just don't get it. So. Yeah, it, it's an adventure down there, it seems like. But it, it'll it'll be fun come July 1 and, and all this gets sorted out.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, July 1st is always fun every year. And this year we expect it to be more fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, am lacking creative transition today. <laughs> so I'm just gonna end our end our show with paying some bills, uh, pimping total beverage, uh, because they're a great sponsor of ours. They're our presenting sponsor and one of our longest running sponsors, and we love them dearly. And you guys, as especially those of you living in the metro area where they deliver, uh, the more North Metro area specifically from Wheat Ridge to Erie, uh, should absolutely be checking out. The, the deals that they have going on the app that they have their website uh, for a limited time total bev is offering a $10 off a $50 purchase on both of their website and app uh, use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase uh for all all the parties all the summer stuff you know July 4th parties are coming up uh get your liquor delivered straight to your door that's BSN10 as the promo code It's going to wrap it up for us today here. I am AJ Hafele. He is Nathan Rudolph. We will be back tomorrow uh, to talk about Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals and look back on the NHL season that was. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow.